everybody, welcome to Media Review Pod, a variety podcast of discussions, opinions, and interviews focusing on the entertainment side of media. My name is Richard Santiago, and this episode is brought to you by a refreshing bottle of Cerveza Corona and a roofied, often neglected, bottle of Fiji water. Now, if you don't get those references, it's probably because you still haven't seen Sony Colombia's latest action comedy, Bullet Train, which is the main subject of our discussion today. But that's totally fine, because as always, we will have a non-spoiler section before we get into the nitty-gritty of the film. Today, I have a special guest who not only has a podcast of his own, but is also an actor and a stuntman, Alfonso Rodriguez, or as many call him, Fonso. Welcome to Meet Every yeah, Pod. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, bro. <laughs> Long yeah. time no see. Yeah, I know. So we've only met once, right? And yeah. then we we we've <clears throat> we've corresponded with each other on Facebook or on Instagram. Um, you know, liking each other's photos or some something similar to that Just chatting randomly too exactly oh. uh, so we met <laughs> we met on on another podcast where we yeah. both were guests we were talking about tenant this uh this was a podcast from our mutual friends adolfis and giovanoski mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. have they have another podcast called Chichando, which is great. You can go it's check great. it out. It's great. Go check it out. It's great. They're great. Um, and our discussion was very interesting. It was very lively. We had different opinions on on, on on different stuff, but I think that we were able to to come to a consensus about that film. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just it was so fun. And I I learned that you you were a stuntman. So I said let me just reach out to this guy because. Um, I'm sure he has a bunch of stuff that I haven't I haven't been privy to because I don't know anything about stunts. Um, <laughs> so here we are. We're about to talk about about this film, uh, Bullet Train. But before we get into all of that, I would like to just ask you a few questions and huh? and just it? just get to know you so so that the audience gets to know you as well. So you ready? Yeah, always. All right, here we go. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, um, so yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lived in the States a few years, but that was because of strength training and jobs and films and stuff. But I'm back. I'm in Puerto Rico. Okay, awesome. And uh, what was your major in college? I actually didn't finish college. Okay. I started a major in business and... Suddenly, I was like, um, "This is not for me," and I moved <laughs> to New York. <laughs> and then I started studying acting over there and taking a few courses. And I ended up in a stunt school over there. And my background was gymnastics and parkour stuff like that. So I, it fit like a glove. So I stayed there, um, bumped a few elbows with a couple of cool people, mm-hmm. and mixed acting with stunts. Okay, where where were you doing uh, your acting studies? Um, it was it was nothing like super famous or anything. It's just like a couple of friends that 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 were um, 
studying in film academy and stuff like that. They told me, I'll oh, go take a course with this guy and take a course with her. Okay. Um, so I did. Okay. And it helped. It helped a lot. So did you do any, any shorts with the New York Film Academy or with NYU? Yeah. Yeah, I did a couple of shorts with the Film Academy. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I did I did a two-month course there. I did a directing two-month course there. It was it was great. It was freezing cold. I froze yeah, my butt, but it was great. It's cool. It's a bit intense sometimes. But yeah. What what year was this? 2010 or 9. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Around there. Yeah, I, I was there way before you. Um, I did my course in 2004, so we were yeah, still doing I, we were still doing f- actual film. I don't know if they still do that, but we have to um, probably, but not, not when I was there. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. So... I, I actually got the whole digital part when I got there. Okay, it was just starting with the whole digital thing. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. Because I remember when we were there. Um, I I have a, a photography background as well. Because I did some I did some photography classes over at the college in Puerto Rico, and um, so so I kind of understood what the process was, you know, de- dealing with light and then taking it to to a lab to process, and it was great. It was just very time consuming because you know it's mm-hmm. a very compressed course. It's two months of just intense work. Um, so I imagine that the workflow right now is a lot better now that it's all all digital. Um, of course, you have to deal with all the, you know, all of this, you know, hard drives and yeah. all that crap. And editing and lighting. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Color, color grading, the whole monster. So, um, so yeah, that I, I think I think it's a very very good crash course uh, if anybody is interested in filmmaking and you know if, and you don't have either the time or the money to go to one of these prestigious colleges um, to study film. You can always check the New York Film Academy out or Full Sail. They have they have short courses that kind of introduce you to what it is to make a movie. You know, nowadays you have an iPhone, you have you have really good cameras on the palm of your hand. Um, yeah, you have YouTube too. You have really yeah. good tutorials and stuff Exa- like that. The yep. information is out there. Yep. yep. So you can actually study by yourself slowly but surely. Yeah. So what about what about acting um, interested you? Because that's what you started before you do it. You did stunts, right? No, I actually started doing stunts before acting. Oh, really? And, and okay. that was the thing. That was the thing. The the stunt coordinator said, like, um, you ha- you you have such a kid like face that it's hard to sell as a like a villain or a bad guy <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> And I was like, okay, then, then what should I do? It's like, oh, start, start doing acting and maybe we can get you like roles that have like death or something like that. Mm. And we, we can combine both. And I, I did. It worked for me for a couple of years. All right. So tell me a bit about that parkour thing. Was that in Puerto Rico? Uh, yeah, it was in Puerto Rico. And it was at, uh, I, was start, I was in the university and my background since a kid was gymnastics and stuff like that. And I was like, what? I can go and jump around and do this and do that. And sure, why not? And then I started going to the open gyms. That, that That's like a gymnastic gym that was open floor. You just jump around and do stuff like that. This, this started among friends, really, because um, we were all like, in our own doing our stuff by trial and error. Mm-hmm. And then 
we kind of all got together, like me, um, Jose Manuel, Chelo, Hills, este, Sanabria, um, Isaac. We suddenly all like got together and started working on our skill base. And Isaac opened like a like school, and then we all were there. So really, we all influenced each other during our whole, whole process. Because well, one of them was a b-boy. We had uh, New Jack too, a great friend, a great stuntman. Um, we were all challenging ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can do this, and we were like, "How do you do that?" And we he, we all like shared the information, and that's how he tended to figure out stuff. Because, uh, like I told you, parkour and free running was just starting in YouTube, so the whole information was not out there. So you had like glimpse of how you do this and how you do that. So a lot of trial and error, a lot of falls, a lot of crashes. I bet. But but it was fun. It was fun. Have you ever broken anything? No, thankfully I haven't broken anything. Okay. But I sprain my ankles always walking, which is which <laughs> that's age, dude. I can do I can do a backflip. It all cool, but suddenly walking, snap, and like I'm out. It's like three three days. This yeah. is my ankle. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Okay, so all right, so so you were doing parkour, and did somebody just come up to you and say, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna be in my short film, or do you just wanna be in a movie?" Was, how how would that did that come about? Uh, yeah, I was actually in Hollywood stunts in New York when I started first month, like. I, I did parkour and then I was like, you know what? I, I think I can do stunts because I'm doing parkour. I'm, I really know how to fall, how to brace myself, <clears throat> how to jump, how to how to move in, in spaces. Mm-hmm. So I actually started to look for stunt schools and stuff like that and ended up in New York. And then uh, Bob Cotter was the, the, the boss. <laughs> the, the owner of the business. So he's like, Oh, you're really good. And you're from Puerto Rico. It's like, yeah, he was amazed that there was someone here that, that actually did stunts and do everything. Mm-hmm. So he started moving me around stuff like that and, and did a couple of, of series and films. And, and then when I came back is where I did like Homeland. I did, um, um, Falcon rising with Michael J. White. I did um, a White Collar. I did Royal Pain. I did a lot, a lot of productions here. And when you say here, you mean in Puerto Rico? In Puerto Rico, yeah, in Puerto Rico. Okay. Yes, because Alfonso is coming to us straight from the island of enchantment, Puerto Rico. All right. Okay, so so you did you did your parkour. You had your gymnastics from when you were a kid. You started doing stunts. Then you started acting. You went back to Puerto Rico, and now you have a podcast. How this, how does how does that? It's like a whole other story. Like that. we need like we need like five hours for because because before before we get into podcasting, you are still a stuntman, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you still work as a stuntman, but you still but but you still manage to have time to do a podcast. How how did that come about? And you know, just tell me a bit about what it is. 
the podcast is me, Bells, and Geritza. We have a comedy podcast with uh, different kinds of guests, people that interest us. Um, we just invite them to the show, and uh, we play around, goof around, we get to know them, their careers, and stuff like that. But we have a, a lot of segments that are like just random stuff. I mean, video clips, news, just random ass shit. Mm. <laughs> but um, nothing. The podcast started during the pandemic. Uh, I used to have my uh, old um, YouTube channel that was called Do Action with a couple of friends, and that technically died because everybody like uh, parted parted ways. Mm -hmm. So um, during the pandemic, I was like, I need. I still need <laughs> something creative happening in my life. Right. So I started the podcast by myself and then as a guest, because I remember that Kerita did used to do stand up with me. And I invited her and the whole Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to stop you there. <laughs> did I just yeah, hear no, no. Did Yeah, I, I do stand up too. Did I just yeah, hear I, that you do stand up? And like a whole Swiss Army knife. Okay, yeah, depends yeah. how you want to meet. Okay, all right. So, so let's make a bit, a, a little bit of a parenthesis here. How did you get into comedy uh, stand-up? Where did that come from? Okay. <laughs> I actually got into comedy because I did. Um, I had cancer, and my whole process during cancer mm -hmm. sucked. And I was like, how do I turn this into something good? Right. And a, a good friend, Chente, that has like podcasts here and, and is he, he's like huge mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. He's like, oh, you, you should blog it or something or, or even turn it into like a bit. So I actually started writing bits. And from that, I did like, a, I had like a, like a half an hour of material from the whole cancer thing. And then I still do. I still keep adding shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I started doing stand-up. I don't remember. I think it was Juan who invited me. They had like a stand-up thing, an improv thing, and they needed people to do stand-up in between the improv. Okay. So um, they contact me. I was still starting. So they contact me. And the one in front of me like bombed. Bomb, and that's good for but you. I had to like bring back. No, that's horrible. Oh, really? Okay. But when when they bomb, you have to bring back the crowd on your side. So people already are like skeptical. Like, oh, this this guy's gonna suck too, like the guy before. Okay. So, yeah, that so sort of makes sense. It's okay. Hard, hard. Yeah. It's, it's a little harder for to get back into the groove and change the the ambiance. Um. So uh, I did. I brought brought back the crowd. The show went awesome. And um, I met Kiarita. She had a character that she did as a stand-up. And uh, I remember that she came towards me and she said, that, oh, I love I love your bit about cancer. It's really funny uh, in a dark kind of way. I was like, who are you? And then she's like, oh, I just got up. I was in character. I was like, oh, so you were her. She's a, like a whole Hannah Montana thing. You, can't, you couldn't tell. It was her. And uh, we kept in touch. And during the pandemic, when she was a guest in my show, I was like, do you want to keep doing this? Because it, it, it's funny. I like it. It's witty. And she's like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And we kept going. And now we're 
live in La Respuesta every Tuesday at 7. You can turn in in um, YouTube. We do we do it live, okay. so you can go there. And if you, I'm sorry for the English speaking audience, but it's mainly in Spanish. Mm -hmm. We have sometimes guests that are in English, but um, it's mainly in Spanish. So, what's the name of the show? What's the name of your podcast? It's called Get Funking Show. Okay, <laughs> like a like a trip typical phase we say in Spanish. Um, and you can find it in YouTube. You, find, you write Kefunking with the O instead of you because it's from Ponzo and Kerita mm -hmm. all together. So right there. All right, cool. There's a lot of episodes. You guys want to go jump in? You'll see them. There's a, there's a few. <laughs> all right, so I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that people can, can access it quickly. I asked you if you had seen anything recently that was worth mentioning. I have a couple of things that I want to mention, but I, I, I'd rather you go first. I saw Nope. It's great. Jordan Peele's movie version of this ensemble is great. I don't understand why people saying it's trash. It is really, amazing. really. I, you know what? I, I am spoiler averse. So if if I see any inkling that something's gonna tell me what the plot's about or gonna show me clips or what, I stay away. I want to see that movie because I like his brand, Jordan Peele's brand. Um, mm -hmm. But I have no idea what it's about. I I I've, um, I've seen posters of people looking it. up and. Um, so I'm excited you, to see it. You, the 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 movie suddenly takes a like a shift. Okay, it that's good. It's one direction, and then it, it just shifts, which is great. It's really refreshing, and that that might be one of the reasons people like are like ranting. Oh, I don't like the movie because your 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 mindset goes like, oh, I'm gonna watch this type of movie, mm -hmm. but it's not. Okay. It's inspired by like old Hollywood movies okay all right cool cool um anything else anything else you've seen i mean i saw uh, the gray man on netflix okay it's on netflix it's not great but it was fun it, it was fun um the it was cool to see chris evans as a villain mm -hmm. with the mean mustache okay <laughs> that always uh, works i actually Yeah, I actually love the the like the character details that they gave him. The whole preppy look with the mustache and the whole douchebag look. Mm -hmm. It was great. Uh, the, the only bad side is that there's a couple of janky CGI moments, but if you can like get past it, go past through. Yeah, get past it. The movie is like really entertaining. It's worth the watch. Okay, cool. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, Better Call Saul. Do you know this this show? I know the show. I started watching and I did not finish watching it. Okay, great. <laughs> All right, so for those of you who don't know, Better Call Saul is a sort of prequel to Breaking Bad. And it takes one of Breaking Bad's maybe secondary or tertiary characters and just gives us a background for him. I I think that this is one of my favorite TV shows. And as far as writing goes, I think it's 
and I, I'm probably going to get into hot water for saying this, but I think it's better than Breaking Bad. Nice. And and be. and it's 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 I'm not saying the show particularly is better because they are completely different beasts, but as far as the quality of writing and the way that they go about storytelling, I think it's more focused. I think it's a lot more mature. You can see that these people have been doing this thing for over a decade. It shows. It just shows. It's it's basically the same crew that made Breaking Bad um, with newcomers here and there. But the core people, the executive producer, the showrunner, basically the same people. And you can definitely tell how much they have matured in, in, in their writing. And it's fantastic. It's just to show that um, takes turns where you don't expect them. Uh, it it um, it just it shows it shows you how you can take and and you've seen bad examples of this doing a prequel where you already know what happens and then they they tell you what happens in this show. Even though you say, "All right, well, I know how this character ended up in Breaking Bad," it, that's that's not the focus of Better Call Saul. Better Call, Better Call Saul is not interested in telling you how he got to Breaking Bad. It's just, and and yes, there is there is a focus to eventually end somewhere around there, but that's not the main reason they made the show, and that's what's so refreshing about it. Um, you know, it's not like a Star Wars prequel where you've heard about what happened and then that's what they show you. It's 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 I don't know. Like I said, it's a it's a very mature way of these writers doing this story. And I highly, highly recommend this show. If you haven't seen any of it, um all the seasons up until season five are on Netflix and it's currently airing its sixth and final season. So highly, highly, highly recommend Better Call Saul. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was a little film that came out on Hulu this week called Prey. Have you heard of that? Yes, I'm really psyched. I'm probably going to watch it today. Okay. So unfortunately, this movie, I had to see it on the TV. This is a movie to go to a theater and, and, and experience it as, as it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm saying on TV because it's a Hulu movie. It's not like something that mm -hmm. you can go to a multiplex and watch. I don't think it's in theaters. Um, no. And it's it, this movie's directed by Dan Trachtenberg. He he's the director of a movie uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I don't know if you've seen that. And he he also directed a very very cool episode of Black Mirror and the first episode of Amazon Prime's The Boys. So he's an up and coming director and with a I, great track record, let me tell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I th I think he has such a an interesting visual style. Uh so let me let me just go back a little bit. Prey is talking about prequels. It's a prequel to Predator. So it's supposed to be like the first entry in the Predator franchise. And it's not like 10 years before anything. No, no. This is this is during the 18th century where you have Native Americans 
on the field and you have uh, conquistadors and all, all of that is in play during this time. And apparently the aliens from Predator come to Earth to to have fun with with uh, with the fauna of the planet. And this movie I, th- I think it's a very smart way to make a prequel. Um, it doesn't fall into these traps of of giving the audience exactly what they want, like Easter eggs and all that crap. It's not in- even interested in that. It focuses on their main the, the main heroine and her way of conveying to her tribe that she's worthy. Um, not gonna say any more about what the movie's about. I I am going to say that it's a movie that respects the audience patience. It gives us the goods in a very cinematic way. It's not just gore for gore's sake, and not just tension because the genre calls for it. Um, I think it's a very smart way of making a monster movie, and I highly highly recommend this movie. It's really really good. Oh, at least I enjoyed it very much. So, yes, please go watch it today. Let's move on to our next segment, and this is a this this is a the part of the podcast where I start to pick your brain. Because, like I said before, I'm not a stuntman. I am a filmmaker, and and I I kind of know how how the sausage is made. So when I watch movies, I watch it in a, in, a, in a specific way. So my question to you is, I'm going to start off with this. How does being a stuntman change your perspective when you're watching a movie? It, it helps. And it, it, it gives me a lot of disadvantages, too. <laughs> okay. In <laughs> what sense? You, you said, like you said, you know how the sausage was made and probably first for some fights and stuff like that. For me, the main thing is when you're fighting, there has to be a story. You can't be fighting just because you're fighting. Yes. Um, a good fight uh, tells a story during the fight. So that's where I like nick and pick every every fight scene I watch. When you bring a character and, and you see character development during the fight or um, or a whole character traits in the fight, it's a whole different monster because mm-hmm. we've seen fights before, we've seen everything before, but if we haven't seen X or Y character fighting mm-hmm. because that that's the whole <laughs> the whole thing about the movie. Um, so for me, I can I can go and and watch a movie and and see a scene and go like they were they were not interested in this scene like this scene was just like a throwaway mm. let's just do the fight here so we can just compress the time here and move on or or uh, the editor didn't have a whole fight scene correctly and they had to like edit something in to make this better mm-hmm. um that because that's the thing about fights. Once it's recorded, you can't just go back again to the set and just green screen it in. <laughs> it's a lot harder. So I mean, if you're yeah, George Lucas, you can definitely green screen it in. But you can tell when it's green screened in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
<laughs> or deep fake. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but that's a, that's the thing. That's how it ch- it changes my experience in movie watching. My girlfriend always gets mad because I go like, ah, is this this a CGI that? Because they and they had the performer there. Why didn't just they use the performer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a whole that's a whole different rant. Okay, so now now that you say that, um, I know probably the Spanish speaking audience knows that. I am a very big Tom Cruise fan. Um, I am too. Mission Impossible is probably my favorite action franchise. And um, one of the biggest reasons that I love that series is because of the stunts. Um, And it's like you said, yes, they are incredible stunts, but no stunt is worth watching if it has nothing to do with the plot. Or the well, story. Tom Cruise, I'm sure he has like, like a bucket list, and he goes, "I want yeah. to do this. How do I put this in my movie?" <laughs> exactly, and and so so that's 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 what I was gonna that's where I was gonna jump in because um, the way that Tom Cruise and and um, Christopher McQuarrie are making these last few uh, um, Mission Impossible movies is basically like that. They have they have a list of things that they probably want to do mm-hmm. and then they work out a script to make it fit and the magic trick that they've been able to pull off since they started working together is that it always works and it's mm-hmm. incredible i mean as as a writer you start thinking how how in the hell are they able to just okay so we're going to do the stunt but how is that going to fit into the story don't worry about it I'm going to write something that's going to be worth it. And it just, it works. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. Um, so I'm glad that you're, you're a, a, a Mission Impossible fan. Um, so when the next one comes out, I, I will probably give you a call. I'm a, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan. Okay, so when you're watching a movie, are you engaged with the story? Or are you just a yeah. bit distracted with what's going on? No, 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 no. No, no. For me, it has to go go with the story. Mm. Just like I said, when you do stunts, you've seen everything. Mm-hmm. So for me, the story has to be as good as the whole stunt. That's why I don't like um, like straight to DVD action. Explosion here, kick there. Look at me, kick there. I'm breaking boards. Uh, training montage. No, it has to have a story. It has to, to captivate my interest as, mm-hmm. as the film moves along. Yeah, you know, for me, um, watching, especially fight scenes, I focus on the editing a lot because it, it sometimes can tell you how well planned out the those sequences were from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to watch a fight scene that barely has any cuts. And and it, it's because of several things. The, the main thing for me is that you have a plan of what you want to execute in that particular moment. The second thing is how well trained either your stunt people are or your actor is. That's another thing. And then 
the third thing, and I, it was one of the most important thing, is your camera work, camera placement, the, how the camera is moving, that can make that sequence either dull or dynamic. John Wick movies have many sequences where it's just one single take or several, like one or, or one take feel because they're not one take. Right? Yeah, 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 and that's <laughs> and that's completely fine, and that's and that's where the planning goes. You know, you pl- you plan it out so that you're able to make it feel like it's one continuous shot, and that's and that's fantastic because they're able to match choreographies, um, mm-hmm. and and then that way you're able to see the actor's face for a long period of time, and it's a little bit more believable that it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. But when you see an action film where it's cut 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 cut, those fight scenes they feel I feel cheated. I feel cheated because. Sometimes I don't even know where I am. I'm geographically in 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 the scene. I'm kind of disoriented, um, and it that takes me out of the movie. And then it's that's when I start thinking. Well, maybe the actor wasn't available, or maybe the stunt sucked, and they're trying to hide it with the cuts. Um, that that sort of stuff, and that's that's all happening that like in split to, seconds. That tends to happen, and I think what also doesn't work during the whole like cutting during fights is the or just zoom in because the character doesn't move well and that's where like you get completely uh disoriented in the whole fight Mm -hmm. because everything is so tight you can't see what's happening who's throwing the punches um why did just why did it it just we just flip the whole 180 Mm -hmm. there's no reason why you flip the 180 um and that's the whole problem i think it's because i do cuts because when when um actor is not completely trained it's better to do it via segments Mm -hmm. and break them down to to be a little bit easier to digest but i still think the camera's here the camera's there we're going to move here to block the camera and continue the action and um it's just how you choreograph and action design it. That's the thing. Not everyone has a good action designer in their films and or don't do the previs. They just, okay, we're going to hire this stuntman and he's going to do everything. Yeah, but where's the previs? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the planning out that the, this action sequence is going to bring um, value to your story? Right. Right. Yeah. How how closely do you have to talk with the camera operator and the DP when you're doing one of these? I actually like to do previs. I always suggest. Look, I I usually work with Jesus. Jesus Hernandez is great, and like I I he usually edits and shoots everything I do. Mm-hmm. Like for for me personal, okay. like we can do a previs with him and then work around what you guys have, and we all work together because it helps. It helps to see where we're at. It helps to see what 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 your vision is, and for me to add to that vision. How big is safety for you on set? For me, it's really important. Um, it's important safety in in how the performers are and how the actors move about. I've had a couple of performers that, um, that are heavy in punches, 
like they have heavy punches. And I'm like, you cannot do this. Call them back. We're working with an actor. We're not working with a stuntman or anything. Or, or even if, we're, if we were all stuntmen, we have to take care of each other. Uh, light hits, control. Um, yeah, people think that, that you, you can be a fighter and just be a great performer, stunt performer. But no, you have to be very controlled, very precise. Um, very like like a surgeon almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So safety is very important. Like, oh, we're gonna have a mat here. You're gonna land that mat. That's your cue. Um, we all we have our own rhythm. Like when when they say action, we don't start at action. We have our own cue because we all have to be. It's, it's a unit. It's a whole a whole team. So right, right. are we all ready? We're safe. One, two, let's go. So it's very important. Safety is very, very, very important. Okay, and then as you're watching a movie and you watch this master uh, stunt scene, um, do you do you just have to drink it in for a while and say that was awesome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I mean that happens to me. It happened to Even me yesterday. While- it happened to me yesterday while I was watching um, Prey. Prey? Yeah. All right, Alfonso. We've reached that moment where we're about to do our feature segment. So here we go. All right. We're going to talk about Bullet Train. It was written by Zach Olkovich. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it was directed by David Leitch? Leitch? I don't know. Something like that. I always I always kind of butcher a name, so it's uh, par for the course. Anyway, so here's here's a brief synopsis on the on the film, which I kind of made up, so it's from nowhere. Alright, so <clears throat> an action comedy based on Kotaro Isaka's 2010 novel, Bullet Train tells the story of a semi-retired hitman who on his mission to recoup a suitcase, comes face-to-face with other hitmen on board a high-speed rail train in Japan. So, Alfonso, no spoilers. What are your thoughts on Bullet Train? I would have to say it is not the best, but it's a really, really, really fun movie to watch. It lacks in a couple places, but the characters are so fun. The characters are its strength and its weakness in the whole movie. Mm. Um, and I say this because because of that. The characters are really colorful. I don't believe they that we get what we wanted out of each character. Mm. But the fight sequences are beautiful. The, the way the shots are made are beautiful. Um, this is a director of uh, Deadpool, mm. and he's been involved in John Wick. He's been involved in a couple of movies, and it shows. It shows. We have a couple of things, a couple of, of hints that uh, brings out his whole career, let's just say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a fun thing to watch, how he integrated uh, cameos and and. And like bits and stuff, I just found found it really really fun to watch in the moment that mm-hmm. movies are not that fun to watch anymore. <laughs> right. 
Okay, um, <clears throat> so here's my take. Think of a Tarantino film. You throw in a little bit of Guy Ritchie in there, as the cockney banter that they have in those films. Um, take away some of the character development here and there, as well as some, maybe some cohesive visual style, and you've got Bullet Train. So, like you said, this movie was fun. I have to admit that I had I had fun, especially during the third act, which I think was great. Um, and I honestly, I didn't start to really enjoy this movie until it was about to end, if that makes any sense. And here's here's um, here's my view uh, uh, on this film, and it's very different from yours, I, I'm sure, because I read the book. I read the book. It, it the translation came out last year, and um, I was listening to NPR, and they were talking about the book, and I said, "All right, I'll I'll give it a try." <clears throat> so, I'm coming at this from from a different perspective, and one of the main reasons why I enjoyed this movie is because of the way that they were able to adapt a semi boring book, in my opinion. And made and made it a really fun, action-packed, irreverent movie. Um, and we'll get into spoilers later on about things that I liked and things that I didn't like. Um, but I think if if you're looking for an action film to kind of fill that John Wick void or Mission Impossible void, check this movie out because it's. It's uh, it's not very complicated. It, it's a bit convoluted in, in terms of the plot, but some of the action sequences are really fun, um, mm -hmm. and the actors are great with what they're given. Um, it's a very unusual role for Brad Pitt to do, um, mm -hmm. and which is really fun. In yeah, like like I like a lot how he did and portrayed that character. Yeah, he's he's given some quips here and there, and then you have the two Cockney uh, characters, uh, Tangerine and Lemon. They're also fun. Um, Which has, they feel like the main character. Yeah, and and, and 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 we'll, we'll yeah definitely we'll we'll get to no that spoilers. in spoilers. Like, but I like, yeah. I get it I get it. Um, <laughs> so so if you're in the mood for uh uh. uh to just shut your brain off and go watch an action movie. Check it out. Check it out. Um, because mm -hmm. un unlike The Gray Man, this is in theaters. I was just about to say that. It's better than Gray yeah. Man. And you can it's actually, great. you know, see it on a big screen and enjoy the the, 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 yeah, the, yeah. the loud volume of explosions and kicks and punches. So Not as good as Top Gun, but it's still good. It's really, yeah. really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into spoilers right now. Now, speaking of this whole uh, who who the who the main character is, I felt the same way while I was reading the book, because Absolutely. the yeah, book is the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So the, okay, so the like I said, the book is semi boring. Um, none of this cool action, uh, 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 propulsive feel that this movie has. Um, you're introduced to several characters. You start off with Kitaro, 
right? And oh, the the other thing is, all the characters are Japanese in the in the book, so <laughs> that was one of the weird things about this movie. Well, whatever, whatever. Um, so you're introduced to all these characters, and at first you think, all right, so Kitaro is is the main character because you're with him for a good chunk of the first part of the book. And then you jump to another character and then it's that character and then you go to Lemon and Tangerine and they have their thing. And then you say, well, all right, so who am I rooting for? Who who, who am I supposed to be focused on here? Um, so the movie has the same flaw for me that the book has where there isn't a moment where you can actually say – all right, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pinpointing <laughs> this character to follow because there there is none. And and while you're watching the movie, you say, all right, well, it's Brad Pitt because, you know, he's the name actor, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it, the whole movie is sold on him. But if you're actually looking at the movie, you, there is no focus on who the main character is. And like you said, these two characters, Tangerine and Lemon – they are really fun. You know, they're quippy yeah, they, they, back and forth they banter. They feel like the main character. They yeah. feel as the movie progresses, they feel like they're the main character. Yeah, and not only that. They, they are the ones that move the story around. Yeah, and I think that <laughs> the the uh, the the biggest character arcs are with with them because yeah. yeah, because I I think that most of the heart of the movie is with them. Um mm -hmm. even though they're bad, you know, but you know they're fun. They they have a a a, a very interesting relationship. They're brothers. Aaron, Aaron Taylor is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Um, He's amazing in this film. The way they interact with each other is really fun, and the way they interact with with other characters is also fun. Um, and then by the end, you have a a really interesting arc between mm -hmm. them. Um. Not so much for our main character Brad Pitt. Uh, I th I even think that Bad Bunny had a bigger arc than Brad Pitt. Uh, so, it, story wise, it lacks. It lacks there. It 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 lacks in making me care about these characters. That's that. I agree with you so much in that in that point. Um, it, it makes me feel like I needed to know a little bit more of certain characters. That was the only thing. Right. And then and then um you you get this convoluted plot that's just thrown at you at the end. You have you have you know the quote unquote villain monologuing about why he did this entire thing. And it, it's part of the genre maybe, but it just feels so so cheesy um but anyway this is full third act and it's it's fantastic um i would say go watch this movie just to just to see this entire third act which is i i don't know it, it was just so fun so different from the book there's no there's no train crashing into another train none of that happens <laughs> in in the book and i think it's it's for the better I think it's for the better. I think I think the movie improves the book tenfold. Um, so let's talk about things that I really loved, um, starting with the fact that the action sequences are fun, not only because of the way that they're choreographed, but 
the fact that they're they actually tell a story. Yeah, they 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 <laughs> yeah they tell a story. You get into an action be into an action beat because it has to happen to make the story move forward, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're using stuff from from the set. So uh, they're stuck in the in the pantry room. So they're throwing at them. They're throwing at uh, at themselves. You know, um, chips and water bottles and anything that you can grab that's in there. And that's what makes those scenes so much fun. Um, and also the fact that they have to stop when somebody else comes in and they have to kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, make them believe that they're just they're just there talking and nothing's going on. Um, I, I really uh, what what about you what about you yeah like I said for me that's the most important thing in an action film is that you keep the story engaging while the fight sequences are made and uh, and we can see that in all the fight scenes we get to see that in the rap in all the Brad Pitt fight scenes where he has the suitcase the suitcase is involved why is the suitcase important the bad bunny thing why is the knife important and the knife plays around again in the other yeah. fight scene. And everything just works around like, okay, this fight scene has to show this or that or a needle or a snake or the the, the suitcase, the knife, the this, the that, the gun. He doesn't want the gun. There's a lot of things that brings to the story while they're fighting that we get to see the character development. We get to see um, how Aaron Taylor just, oh, no, no, it's just freeze and like okay let let him order something mm. like okay i'll pay for it <laughs> i mean it they they all we all get to see how this person interacts interacts in their in their surroundings mm-hmm. which is the most important thing for me to watch you know right. fight scene. and so many payoffs i mean starting with the gun you know that backfires um mm-hmm. Which which we're told in almost in the beginning of the movie, and to the knife, like you said, um, the cell phone that he puts in his in his pocket is the shield against the the, the, the knife, um, and just using stuff like he's 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 uh, at the end he's putting off the fire, but he can't really do it because he's fighting this other dude with the fire extinguisher and then he 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 wastes all of them fighting this guy so he can't put the fire out with that so it's it's just everything everything just comes around um thomas the train that's another thing uh and that's a big part of the of 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 the book as well um but you know it's just these little things that seem inconsequential they they always come back at the end and I I commend the movie just for that because not every movie can actually plant stuff and pay them off that well um, mm-hmm. and even though the, the script here is very superficial I mean I'm talking about just bare bones script it still manages to pull off these these uh, payoffs all throughout the movie and it's really fun it's really fun to watch um i'm, I'm pretty sure if if i catch this on hbo whatever i'm gonna watch just to see how many little things they plant and pay off at the end um i was really really aware of everything that they did mm-hmm. they used all the information that they gave you in in the beginning mm-hmm. they used it along, along the whole movie 
Yeah. Every little bit. Every little bit. Yeah. Even even when when Brad Pitt comes in, the first thing he says is that he's subbing for some other guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then that comes around at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it I I I just felt those those little things. They they made the movie work, really work. Um, I hadn't seen any previews. I didn't know if you if you knew who the bad guy. Did you know who the bad guy was? I I did. I did not know who the bad guy was was. I knew that the whole like marketing thing was that they were they were gonna they they were trying to give the audience to feel like like Bad Bunny was the main villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that was the whole marketing thing. But um, even as a throwaway in quotation marks character, he was he was great. It was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so it's I think it's villain, his he, he brings. Yeah, his he brings Bad Bunny to the scene. <laughs> his story arc, as little as it is, I think works. It works mm-hmm. perfectly well with with the movie. But I had no idea that Michael Shannon was the big bad guy. Um, yeah, I didn't either. So, one character that I think lacked a lot was the girl, the prince. Now, and and sorry to go back to the book. That in in the book. It's a he. In this movie, they just turn the character into a girl. Plain and simple. Works great. I think that's one of the best decisions that they made because in those scenes where where that character is supposed to have other characters believe that she's scared, it works better as, as a girl than yeah, it would girl. be as a 15-year-old kid. Um, yeah. However, in the book, that character is very sadistic he doesn't have a, a plan. He just makes things up as 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 he goes. Um, I found that fun in the book. However, however, I understand that, you know, for a movie, you kind of have to give it a little bit more oomph, right? And tie this character somehow to the overall plot. I get that. And that's one of the things where I say, dude, this is so convoluted. There's so many coincidences have to happen for this, for her a plan to work out um, that it just, it doesn't feel true as to something that could happen. Um, but whatever, I, I'm, I'll forgive it. I'll forgive it because I, I still had fun watching the movie. Um, any, anything else that you would like to point out about the movie? For me... Yeah. Where was lack where it was lacking is how quick I had to react and how I felt on a character. Mm. Like for me, every introduction felt like uh like a like a Deadpool introduction, you know, like the, the Deadpool two, like oh the invisible man, this one, that one, that one, that one. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole Brad State character in Deadpool two and then they killed them off. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. That like there was no time for me to digest who they actually were. Right. Um. So for for me, that's the only thing that I was lacking. It was just Bad Bunny was so quick and in and out. I even though of course like they 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 showed us uh, during the length of the story that why he was important, mm-hmm. but still we could have had a little bit more of. Why is this character so tough? Or um, 
or the hitman that, that they were, they were, why did they have the suitcase? Who was the kid? Why was the kid important? Mm-hmm. The, these were all throwaway information that, that there was, that could have been fun to watch and interact in this movie. Mm-hmm. But still, like I said, they, they were all so colorful that they were so fun to watch, interact with each other that I just wanted more. Mm. That's the whole bad thing. I just wanted more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if you're still on the fence on whether to see this movie or not, well, you you made it to the... You made it to the to the spoiler section, so you probably saw the movie already. But um, yeah, it's it's a dumb, fun action movie. Um, so yeah, just shut your brain, check it at the entrance, go watch the movie, and enjoy it. Um, anything else you want to say before we close this out? Yes, I actually wanted to see more of Ryan Reynolds. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he made a cameo appearance of like five seconds. Character. <laughs> I wanted it after credit, but why was he there? <laughs> hey, uh, he, well, he's an asshole. That's. <laughs> I, 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 I knew he had to be somewhere in the movie just uh-huh. because of the Deadpool thing, and they actually brought back Brad Pitt in the second. Uh, I actually thought that that's why the whole movie, I was like, I was waiting for the Ryan Reynolds cameo somewhere. Okay. I actually thought for one week, for, for one second, that the snowflake actually was Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Well, we still got a Deadpool cameo too. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. So um, before we close out, where can people find your podcast? Well, you can go in YouTube and write Que Funkin' Show. Okay. Um, que as in what? And Funkin' as in the word fucking, but <laughs> instead of U and O. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll be there. Okay. That's and where how, we are. And how can people find you on social media? If, if For me, yeah. you can go on Instagram and write It's Fonso. Um, I-T-S and Fonso F-O-N-S-O. Um, I'll be there. Okay, cool. And you can find us on Twitter at Media Review Pod. That's Media, R-E-V-U-E, pod. You can send us emails with questions, comments, and suggestions to MediaReviewPod at gmail.com, or you can just leave a voicemail by calling 407-603-5847. Please don't forget to subscribe to our feed, rate and review the pod with five beautiful stars because that really helps us stand out. And Alfonso... I want to thank you so much for being here. This was really, really fun. I hope to have you back again sometime, uh, not whenever. in the too distant future. All right? No, whenever. Whenever you're bored, just let me know. All right. We'll do. We'll do. So, oh, oh, Hopefully I'll have power because I still live in Puerto Rico and power outages are a pain in the ass. Yes. But now that it's back because now it's back, by the way. Of course. Of course it's back. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're done. So of course it's back. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it with the mic that it's not working right now in hand. So let's, let's do it again. All right. Wrap it up. Let's do it again. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard being a hitman, especially one with such bad luck as Brad Pitt's ladybug. But like Sandra Bullock tells him in a moment of stress, all you have to do is breathe. Till next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.